Welcome to Measuring Flicks. I'm Carl Hartley. And I'm Max Peterson. And uh, this is episode three of our March Madness series. <laughs> oh my god, that was more... Yeah, that's yeah. a little mm-hmm. better with all the cigarettes that we've seen this I month. I feel like I've smoked a carton of cigarettes. Oh my god, after this movie? Ser- yeah. This is like, this movie I felt like I We haven't even said what the movie car- is, really quick. Sorry, let's, gonna, let's <laughs> do that. Today's, today's film is uh, 2004's The Machinist, directed by Brad Anderson, Starring Christian Bale with a surprise appearance, did not remember she was in this by Jennifer, Jennifer Jason, Jason Lee. Lee. Oh my shit. god. The Magoo makes another appearance. Now what's funny is the jacket is the episode after this, so they don't oh, know they don't that know yet. About that yet. Yeah, we did this oh, month a little weird. We watched the movies out of order because we owned some of them and had to rent others. Uh but uh to, when you if you're binging the next episode you hit we'll find out that we had a surprise appearance by uh Jennifer Jason Lee who played Domergu in the hateful eight <laughs> yeah. which is weird that was the weirdest part of this movie was seeing her name in the credits I'm like what Witch? the actual what? fuck <laughs> yep like never having I barely aware that she's a human being on the planet earth you know like <laughs> she's I, in two movies this two month. movies this month <laughs> both of them mid-2000s movies about people losing their minds the damagu shows up twice twice oh my god and you know what another movie where she gets beaten up yeah this woman gets beaten up she's got a rough go of it god i, but I thought that was so weird i was like and you know because we've we've now binge watched essentially four movies about slipping into madness i'm like Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yep. Jennifer Jason Lee is in this movie. She was also in The Jacket. Both of those came out in the mid-2000s. What are the chances that we would pick those movies? Something's fucking going on You start on going here. all like you number start... 22 and shit. Yeah, like, you... uh, number 23. Uh, there you go. 22 is like one step one before, step before, the, before the right. So you're not quite crazy. You're standing on the ledge, right? You're like... standing on the ledge staring into Jim Carrey's cold dead eyes. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> no, but yeah, like I saw that and I got a little weird. I was like, what, what the fuck's going on here? Yep. What the fuck is... I woke my wife up. I'm <laughs> like, you did this somehow. <laughs> you did this. <laughs> whispering in her ear all night. I'm just like, so we watched two movies, and they both had Jennifer Jason Lee. Miller? Miller? Miller. This is a great movie. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, was this great. Had you seen it before? Oh, I've seen this many times. I had only seen it once. Um, I've watched it more than any sane person probably should watch a movie <laughs> like this. It's so dark, but it's it's such a engaging movie, and it's so well acted, and just everything about it. It's it's it is. It's it's an, it's a modern Alfred Hitchcock movie. It's as close as you will get to. We'll get into that. I have right. a bunch of notes on that. But uh, before we go any farther, since it's our third episode and it is the first month, we'll just recap the premise of the show really fast, and mm. we will eventually stop doing this. I think we'll stop doing it at the end of the Westerns month. I think that's uh, right. People will know what's going on. Mm. So basically, our premise is Measuring Flicks is a show where Carl and I sit down and we talk about movies, but not just any movies. We talk about movies that you might not have seen or movies that you saw and maybe were didn't understand. Not saying we, we understand. Do them but we're at least going to try we're going to unpack unpick um, all of the little details that you may have missed and do really deep dives on movies that maybe don't deserve them. Right. Um, so yeah, we're doing a lot of strange films by mm-hmm. auteur directors. We're doing exploitation films. We're doing um, Obscura. And we're also doing some that you might have heard of, obviously. We have a great Christmas episode yes. planned. You're going to see movies like Die Hard, Lethal Weapon, The Exorcist movies you've probably seen, but uh, didn't examine in depth. We're also going to one of our big things that we like to do is look at um, the nuts and bolts behind the mm-hmm. film. We're going to pull apart performances and look at small uh you know small nuances that you may have missed we're gonna look at cinematography um just a real film lovers podcast all the way around then every three months we are going to take all of the films that we watched in that three-month period and stack them together in a cock writing cock writing cock Cock ringing a cock ring (laughs) we're gonna put them in a cock ring put them in a cock (laughs) ring and see which one gets the most engorged no um we're gonna we're gonna look at all the movies from that three months and we're gonna we're gonna put them in a head-to-head like march madness style essentially <laughs> exactly and uh and see which one wins and then at the end of the year we're going to take the top four 
as we're doing them quarterly. Uh, we're going to take the top four, do a big shootout, and pick the, the movie of the, the year. Movie of the Our year. movie of the year, which is funny because it'll right. probably be from the 80s. It'll probably be from the <laughs> 80s or mid-90s. But that's the whole idea of the show is going back to, generally speaking, each month we have a theme that is the through line. Uh, generally, Max will pick two movies that he has seen and wants to, to talk about, and I'll pick two that I've seen and want to talk about. Sometimes there's overlap there. Or have not seen. Or have not there seen. There have been several right. now that I don't think either of us have seen. Nope, exactly. There's so. some movies that we have maybe interested in right that we want to um now we're force ta- ourselves to watch we're talk talking about. about this uh we're talking about this podcast as though we've been doing it forever uh even though this is our will be our first uh, our first set of four that's because we did do this podcast once before um it, it, i'm releasing that as series uh as zero se- season, season zero season zero and that'll be available Release season zero right that'll be over on patreon which we'll talk about at the end of the show but uh yeah season zero is seven episodes many of which are very good uh including we did one on bronson which is amazing we had a great conversation about the movie prisoners with mm-hmm. uh hugh jackman and a uh, guy who's not hugh jackman and uh and also uh, one of my favorite episodes of all time in which we get into the minutia of the film, There Will Be Blood, oh, yeah. which leads me to The Machinist, mm-hmm. because I would say not 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 the same film, not even the Season same Season Zero will be available to Patreon. To Patreon. Right. Uh, yeah, to over on Patreon.com. But... Let's get do- let's get into the machine. Machinist. And I'm going to have to talk about a little bit at least about there will be blood because up till now mm-hmm. and this obviously isn't isn't part of our new canon. Right. But we had said that uh, Johnny Greenwood's score for there will be blood yes. made that fucking movie. Yes. Along with uh, the right eyebrow of <laughs> Daniel <laughs> Day-Lewis. Day-Lewis. But the score in this fucking movie It is straight out of Hitchcock, uh, man. It's amazing. so good. It has elements of psycho of vertigo of like the birds it has all of those if you were a fan of of any hitchcock any hitchcock his suspense yes it is there and it's not like oh my god it's not like stealing from it there are these little hitchcockian flourishes flourishes like the strings the way that when there's a scene where where christian bale is driving and the music is from psycho it's like you can see not vivian lee but um Ah, I got nothing. Whoever, whatever. The the woman that's that gets killed in the shower when she's driving to the Bates Hotel. There's mm-hmm. a very specific um, piece of music that plays over that. Yeah. And when Christian Bale is driving through the tunnel, you that the music is thing. it's like right there. It's not. It's it, it isn't the same piece of music, but it's just familiar enough to you. Like, oh my god, that is psycho. That is. It's and it's it, that it, is the driving scene with the lights coming across her eyes and everything. It's the same. It, oh my god! I'm it, like, Ooh. it's not taken from Hitchcock, but the the composer who was working on the score, um, this this movie, like how it actually got produced, mm-hmm. is very. It's a very strange story. The whole film was shot in Barcelona, I believe. Um, Interesting, right? Because what happened was the the writer and I I didn't write all the names down. Uh, I watched this movie last night at like one o'clock in the morning. Not a so great time to watch this movie. It's really not. I had the like the weirdest dreams of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those dreams, a little guilt went a long way. But uh, <laughs> I know the, who you are. The writer of this movie uh, wrote this movie on spec a year out of film school. Just right, one of the first things he ever wrote, and he started shopping it around. And everywhere he took it, all of these, I read that I, uh, I did a little research oh, sure, at sure. the very end because I was so fascinated how a movie like this even gets made. And this is not, art house films tend to be older because people were more daring. Right. This is 2004. This is in the Hollywood rut where basically Hollywood is just a giant mill churning out shit primarily. Right. You, not shit, but not movies like this. No, clearly. This is bizarre. This movie is, it's, this movie is like alienating and it's, the, the plot doesn't resolve itself dark. until say the it's last. Dark. You don't know what this movie is even about until, until the, the last, last 15 minutes. Yep. And even then, like there's some, there are, there's, there's some holes like this. You don't get movies like this yep. anymore. And I wondered how did this happen? So he, he wrote the script. And he started shopping it around. And everywhere, no one had any problem with the quality of his writing. Everyone was like, you, this is great writing. Great writing. Mm-hmm. Really great. It's too dark, and it's 
way too weird. This movie is too, too weird. It's yeah. I the audiences are gonna hate this. No one will. No actor's gonna want to play this character. Like the, everyone was like, this movie will never happen. But it was a fun writing exercise for you. So best of luck. Right. So he finally. He couldn't sell it in an American market, so he finally um, got the director, Brad Anderson, on board. And they ended up, to save money because they were on such a shoestring budget because it was such a strange picture and people weren't really willing to gamble loads of cash on it. makes sense. So they shot everything in Barcelona, which means all the cigarette brands, all the license plates, every car had to be made to look American. Like American, right. Um, And rather than shoot, because they're in Barcelona, they also... uh, Rather than casting American actors and bringing them over, which would be expensive, and rather than casting locals who didn't speak English, they went. The casting department went around and found American expats that lived in Barcelona. Oh my God! Is cast- Michael Ironside? <laughs> Michael Ironside. Michael <laughs> Ironsides is a uh, old Ironside. Old Ironside. Uh, yeah, he's no, but it, there's there's obviously a couple. Of no, for sure. Jennifer but Jason most of the name, yeah. the the other actors are yeah a lot. Uh, all, almost all the extras are expats that's, living in Barcelona. Fantastic. Um. And one of my favorite things is you can see like real Barcelona happening in the backgrounds of some scenes, allegedly. And you, I, I did go back and watch it because it was free to watch on Voodoo. Um, the scene where Christian Bale and uh, and uh, his uh, diner waitress lady, the airport oh, yep, waitress, yep. when they pull up to the house and she asks him in if you know, do you want to come in and have a drink? If you look through the back window, you can see two junkies in an alley shooting up heroin. Are you serious? Dead serious. And that those are not extras. That just got caught on That's, the day I'm of filming. Just, wow. Yeah. So this this the way that this movie happened is. So fascinating to me because mm-hmm. when you watch this movie, if you just this is why I like this podcast because if you just watch the movie, you're like, How did that happen? Did Hollywood, how'd Hollywood let that fucking awesome thing well, slip through? Didn't, didn't they had to circumvent the giant, the, the closed doors and closed minds of Hollywood? Right. And my god, what a great movie! This is the type of movie so that I'm glad god. we stumble into. Mm-hmm. You said you'd seen it a oh, couple many times. times, yeah. I've only seen it once. I watched it back in college with Bird, um, and I, last night um, it was really late, and I didn't want to watch it on the big screen because I have roommates. But um, we went upstairs, and you know, we curled up on, the, on our little bed, and I watched it on my laptop. It's a really intimate way to watch this. That's movie. how we watched it the first time back in college. Oh no, shit! So, totally through chance. Wow. I, we, it was like watching it the same way again, like rather than watching it. How interesting is that? I know, and I've yeah. got this big ass TV downstairs and big great speakers and mm-hmm. everything streaming in HD. But no, I, I get on my laptop upstairs and put my headphones in, and Bird falls asleep, and I watch The Machinist at one o'clock in the morning, and then I spend the rest of the night just scratching, scratching <laughs> my cheeks and dreaming of <laughs> wanting to fish out a half-smoked cigarette. From a dingy ashtray somewhere. And okay, on the subject of cigarettes, yes. before we get into the movie, because that seems to be our actual theme. This month is not March Madness. March it's toward, how many cigarettes it, can it can you just smoke been like in March one? toward the grave or March toward March cancer? March toward cancer. Seriously, every Jesus. movie is just laden with cigarette smoke. I don't. Um, part of me is like, maybe I'm noticing it because I quit smoking no. four months ago. But no, it's I like don't smoke, and I'm like, <laughs> I sh- should I start smoking? I mean, it's looking real good. Not in this movie. No, this like, Ugh. like this. Every time he disgusting. lights a, every time. <laughs> Every time Christian Bale lit a cigarette, I was like, his body can't handle that much no, nicotine. No, we can't. His head's got to be flying. Cause then I, I've, he weighs uh, like 180 110. pounds. 110. Christian Bale weighed, he when he started this production, he weighed 178. And by the time they got to filming, he weighed 110 pounds. He wanted to get down to 100, but the filmmakers thought that it would be too detrimental to his health. The lowest he ever got was 110. And this movie's 2004. He shot Batman Begins in 2005 and got back up to like 189. He got got pretty. He got real beefy real fast. Jesus, think about that. Oh God, he is really hard to look at in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, obviously, like when when people look up this movie or or talk about it, one of the first things that people mention is, yeah, Christian Bale is disgustingly. Thin in this movie. I think the top, the first, um, and what he I, went through to to get to that yeah. point is 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 unbelievable. That he doesn't have health problems that have carried over with that. I because, saw this movie. Shit. He might. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, he seems to be doing okay. I saw this movie when I was twenty three, maybe. Um, and the only thing that I did not remember the hit and run subplot at. 
at right, all. Which is the plot. At, yeah. Well, the, <laughs> that's, that's one of the things I love about this movie. And it's kind of like a Scanner Darkly where if someone's like, well, what's it about? Unless you start with the twist ending, you're like, you can't describe it. really. It's like a guy kind of going crazy and maybe he's dreaming sometimes. And maybe he's, it's kind of weird. And, mm-hmm. and uh, there's some great, it's a character. There's characters and Jennifer Jason Lee's breasts are nice. And yeah. uh, Christian Bale's <laughs> real gross. And... Uh, I don't, uh, he works um, in a machine shop. Pie, there's and, pie and coffee. Yep, and airport. Re- uh, a guy loses a hand. Michael Ironside loses Michael Ironside, an arm again. Right, and he loses he, an arm in every movie he's in because there's a car and a, there's a guy with a gross hand and he has cowboy boots. Yes, and like that is and they smoke cigarettes. Unless and, you spoil oh the end of the yep. movie. You can't tell anyone what the plot is. Same thing with the Scanner Darkly, unless you get into like weird layers of. So this guy about a year ago was in a hit and run where he killed a small boy, and the he movie is... drove away. <laughs> and he the the guilt he 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 claimed that his car was stolen. Right. And uh, uh, and the guilt Even over the, the course of a plot year is hard to describe. Over the course of a year, he 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 guilt was so heavy that he lost a lot of weight. Doesn't sleep. He can't sleep. But that, that I he now doesn't do, sleep. Do we either. take that as ca- as factual? Because oh yeah, I think he's taking cat naps and things like that. But I think he's, honest to he's God, like sleeping, snoozing enough to not die. Right. Exactly. Well, his body, when it comes to the point of shutdown, shuts down. Mm-hmm. But then beyond that, he keeps he waking up uh, because the guilt is so heavy that. The nightmares I would imagine would wake him up, and to the point where he doesn't want to sleep. Well, uh, yeah, and th- that's the that's the beauty of th- of this particular film. The only thing that I could remember is that, like, in my head, what I saw was his weird little like scarecrow dance. Yeah, when he turns to Jennifer Jason Lee, and she's the very like, beginning, even like... she's grossed out by it. She's like, "Oh no!" He like sucks his cheeks in, and he looks so hauntingly thin. Mm-hmm. Um. I was telling my roommates this morning because um, I don't think either of them have seen it. I was like, "Yeah, that's the movie where Christian Bale lost all that weight, and like a good portion of what makes that movie effective is how upsetting he is just to have on screen." Yes, doesn't even have to be saying anything; just to hold the frame on him, close up or wide, doesn't matter. He <sighs> is so. It's in season zero, but uh, if you go and listen to Patreon, this will make uh, the Patreon episodes that mm-hmm. we're going to post. This will make more sense. We've talked previously about how certain actors their body becomes a character specifically tom hardy's performance in, in a film called bronson yeah. where his mass is part of is is a character Absolutely. of itself in this movie christian bale's the the level to which he is emaciated is its own character mm-hmm. and the way clothes hang on him and just oh. he is he's not even a ghost of a person I mean, he doesn't even fill out his clothes and his I mean, it's just there's some great lines. Ugh. Like uh, my favorite is there's a there's a recurring lines. This is we'll we'll get, mm-hmm. we'll probably get right into nitty gritty on this, but fair enough. Um, there's a line where uh, he sees a prostitute played by uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, who says, you know, if you were any th- if you were any thinner, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't exist. exist. And then later, uh, you know, oh, at the coffee the shop. Co- at the at the airport, the airport coffee, coffee shop, shop, his waitress says, "Well, if you were any thinner, you wouldn't exist." And when that's there's a bunch of stuff that cues you in early mm-hmm. that shit is not as it seems. The but clocks ticking backwards and forwards. One thirty. Oh one. Oh one. Oh two. Oh one. Oh two. Oh one. And it's stuck at one thirty. Yeah. All right. Obviously. Obviously, spoilers since we already ruined the end of the movie. I'll, I'll do it. Maybe we should do a spoilers tag at the top. Now, fuck it. They, they just watch the. the movie, these people. are meant to be companion pieces to the right. movies, if anything else. Right, right. Um, there's a freestanding spoiler warning, but one thirty oh one oh two oh one oh two. That that time one thirty. At exactly one hour and thirty minutes into the film, the plot twist is revealed. Are you serious? <laughs> yes. <laughs> How did I miss that? I That's only so noticed. Obvious. I only noticed because Voodoo threw an ad in. Because I, I watched it free with ads on Voodoo. They threw an ad in at one like tw- one twenty nine, one thirty, like right around there. Mm-hmm. And it bing when it throws you into an ad. I usually like pop my headphones off and then mm-hmm. when it would pop back up I'd pause it and put my headphones back on and restart and I paused it and it was 1:30 and because I had it's you see it so many times in the movie I was like holy, holy shit. shit the plot twist the movie is revealed is... at 1:30 <laughs> oh my fucking god that's brilliant <laughs> yeah I never would have known if I hadn't nope. been for the stupid ads so I guess there ads something I wonder something if your good. brain knows that though so um 
I, some sort of maybe. some, some sort of circadian rhythm or something some, that would some subconscious some something yeah. th- and th- th- I think back um so I I uh, I got a hunch and I checked something else. I started like this movie turned me into the number twenty three. Oh yeah, there are a lot of rabbit holes. In- well, where you're like, I wonder if this is a thing and that's a thing. So I was I was wide fucking awake when I finished this movie. It was yeah. one at one o'clock when I finished it, and I was like, God damn it, I have to get up at seven to do these podcasts, but I got to do it. So I, I gave myself half an hour to dig, and I went back, and I'm like. Because that after I saw that one thirty thing, I'm like, there is more There's going more. on in this film than you expect. You're about to, you're about to blow my 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 eggplant. Oh, it's you? happening. Okay, here it's we go. It's happening, man. So I went back in the movie. I went back in the movie and I looked at key points and I did like five different moments in the movie. Okay. And none of them panned out, but one did. Mm-hmm. The scene where Mil- Miller's the guy who loses his arm, Michael Irons. Yep. I went back to the scene where Miller loses his arm. And I I started doing like weird, you know, the numerology thing where you're like yes. 31 minus 64 minus 63 minus. Um, I went through and from the moment this is the this the moment Miller says, hey, I need a hand. Right. Yes. From that moment until the moment when he loses his hand is one minute, 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> There's no fucking way that's an accident. No. No, no way. way. So I went and dug that out, and I felt like Sherlock Goddamn <laughs> You're like, Holmes. Oh, I've got it. <laughs> well, I, I had failed four times, <laughs> right. so I was like, this isn't... And then I I was oh watching, and I'm like, this this might be... I, d- I didn't even piece it together. He says, hey, I need a I hand. I need a hand. Well, I went back, and I... Hey, I need a hand. I got so weirdly into right. the, new, the minutia of oh this my movie. God. Oh, dude. Well, this is a kind of movie you can dig into the details. It's like the, people do that with The Shining. There's documentaries about that yeah 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 we i feel do like that for patreon oh that documentary it's fantastic yeah mm-hmm. uh, the room whatever yeah it's it's what it's room whatever the number of the room is i always forget there's another one about um alfred hitchcock's psycho mm-hmm. where they i think it's called like 117 or 136 it's some it's another number right but it's it's a whole documentary just on the shower scene mm-hmm. and the title is the number of cuts that are in that yeah, scene it's crazy mouth yeah so they go like Toothpick, like like fine tooth comb oh through that God, scene. You but could do that with this movie easily. I'm gonna. I'm yeah. ne- like I. I basically I got to that weird. Uh, uh, it's not Trent Reznor. It's uh, Trevor Reznor. Trevor Reznor. But that's who he's named after. I kept after. thinking Trent Reznor. That's who he's named after. Oh really? Yeah. The the writer was a huge Nine Inch Nails fan, and the score was supposed to be Nine Inch Nails. Oh no! But they made that it in Barcelona and had no money. I, I love how it turned out. Yeah, yeah. The way it turned out was much better. But yeah, that's who he's named after is Trent Reznor. But uh, yeah. like basically at two o'clock in the morning, I was like, I'm like, I haven't slept in a year. <laughs> I haven't slept. I just want to sleep. <laughs> I'm like, I got to go to bed. I have to go to bed. But you, I'm going to watch this again. I'm going to dig yeah. deeper into this. I it mean, deserves it. Uh, Fyodor uh, Dostoevsky. Dostoevsky. Oh, the idiot. idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and also there's a crime and punishment is on the marquee when they're driving away, too. There's a couple Dostoevsky things peppered in there. I am not familiar with... I have a copy of Crime and Punishment upstairs, but I'm not familiar with it. But... I weirdly enough, the only Dostoevsky book I have read is The Idiot. Uh, Maria and Nicholas are two main characters. So when he falls asleep reading The Idiot and wakes up it's and Maria meets Marie and, and right. her son is her son's name is Nicholas. Nicholas. And obviously he's fabricating them from what we find out at the end is the hit and run accident. Right. So it's he, the mother and the child. He right. named them from that book because he fell asleep and the names were in his subconscious mind. Um the uh this this I I uh I I suspected but I was getting near the end where I was falling asleep, so I went on a forum on uh, on the machinist, and I was just like, I'm looking through, and like people have wild theories about oh, this I, movie. Yeah. But this one, since I had noticed it, um, the scene where she, where he has a, um, he has an epileptic uh, fit. Oh, the kid, yeah, yeah, in on Nicholas, Route six six six, when she's running to come. It's the See, same. It's the same. Sh- it's the same shot with a new background superimposed mm-hmm. behind it. It's the same as her running to her dead son. Her dead the, son. Oh my god. So um. And he gets driven. His his conscience. Well, we find out that was it. Victor. No. What is the name of the 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 weird dude with the 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 the, uh, the toe hand? Uh, the toe. Uh, old toe hand. Uh, Ivan. Ivan. 
Ivan drives him through, has him follow him through the intersection where the accident happened like three different times. Yeah, that that it's his it's his guilt. He runs the red. Yeah, he forces him to run the red yep. several times. Yeah, there's something interesting about Ivan that I thought was kind of fun is at the end when he slits Ivan's throat. Yes, that made me think of um, the scene in at the end of Fight Club when Ed Norton shoots himself in the mouth to kill Brad Pitt's character. Right. I wondered if there was anything there. So I went on, uh, if you go to IMDb Trivia, um, there's a bit at the bottom where they talk about how the the character, I wish I knew the fucking writer's name because he's so smart. Um, the writer was a huge Fight Club fan. And uh, there's two references to Fight Club. One is Killing Ivan. Yep. The other is the line, no one ever died from not sleeping or no one ever died, died from, from insomnia. insomnia. That line is word for word in Fight Club. In Fight Club. So those are the only two references well, to Fight Club. Well, mo- that, that's one of the big things that is the, the it's <laughs> two guys can't sleep. Bad shit happens. Right. right? They, they start losing, they yeah. lose time, they lose sense of identity and yeah. stuff. Now, I thought this was kind of strange because there's, there's two things in a, in dream psychology and psychology of the psychology of dreaming. They say that there's two things that your brain can never get right. So there's two there's, lights. There's two sure ways. It's not not lights, but there's two sure ways to to f- determine whether you're dreaming or not. Mm-hmm. One is to look at a clock because your brain can't do clocks right when you're sleeping. Fair enough. And your hands, your hands look weird. So if you're in a dream and you look down at your hands, usually they're like big Mickey Mouse hands or your fingers are too long. Because for whatever reason, your brain, those are the two things that they've done a lot of studies on lucid dreaming. And that's two, two certain ways to spot. And this movie is loaded with fucked up hands yep. and clocks. And I thought that was really interesting. So I tried to... And the lights. Not, so Waking Life, we did Linklater. We did uh, uh, Scanner Darkly. Scanner Darkly, yeah. So we did another movie called Waking Life, and one of the things is talking about dreaming and lucid dreaming, and one mm-hmm. of the things they talk about in that movie is lights don't work correctly in dreams either. Like you try and turn a light on, it doesn't work, or it's too dim. Right. Or like, so lights are weird, uh-huh. and the lights go out in his apartment, and he can't get the lights to work. And you know what? And his cigarette lighter doesn't work, and like a lot of things uh. that create illumination don't, <laughs> don't work, work correctly in this. Oh, that's fucking. And his brain is putting it together like I didn't pay my utilities. Like you know what's fun about I, I noted the utilities thing and the too. machine's not working correctly well, in the has shop. So he seems to have money because he tips the waitress twenty bucks. Yeah. He pays Jennifer Jason Lee like he he goes to her frequently and we see early on that he puts a hundred dollar bill in there. So we yep. can assume that when he goes and sees her, that's a hundred bucks. bucks every time. He's tipping the waitress crazy. He pays his rent ahead of time, mm-hmm. but his utility bills are past due. Right. Doesn't quite make sense. About, right? It does not make sense. He has to write himself a note. I had utilities. I hadn't figured that out. I I was trying to work out why the, why the utilities. Why is that the thing? But when you talk about lights, that makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. This move, like it's Crazy, stuff right? like that that you can get into. Like you'll notice. Uh, one of the they keep doing macro shots of the cigarette lighter. Yes. Every time he pushes it in and it pops out, the cigarette lighter is turned mm-hmm. like the face of a clock, like clock hands turning. I loved that. Um, and you, like, if you were just if in any other movie, you'd be like, ah, that's a continuity fuck up. In this and movie, that's you're like, the reason why the hit and run happened too is the, the cigarette, cigarette lighter, which is why they fixate on it. Yep. But uh, I loved that. And then there's oh shit, I was. What was it? I just had one in my head. There's so many things. There's a. Uh, I was really proud of myself. I uh, when I was over in Maine, a friend of mine turned me on to this author, Nathaniel West. Mm-hmm. Nathaniel West writes a very unique. Day of the Locust is his most famous. They made it into a movie, but he wrote another book, which is maybe my favorite. Um, Nick, uh, Nick down at oh yeah yeah it too. Um, it's called Miss Lonely Hearts. I've heard of this. Okay, Miss Lonely Hearts is basically about a uh, like a self help advice columnist guy who's like desperately depressed and hates everything and hates the like stupid people who write into him. And he goes through basically uh, he he is faced with like a moral uh, like a moral problem. Mm-hmm. And his editor he would if he could only get like the time to sit and think through it he would be fine. But his editor Shrike is constantly pecking at him and picking at him, like like just tormenting him and, and creating situations where he's not able to deal with his moral problem, essentially. Right. And his landlady's name is Shrike, 
which is I, I as soon as I heard her name, that's such a unique name. Right, like, I went and looked it up, and right. it is an intentional reference. So there's a lot of literary references in this, but um, the the light thing, the first thing we see is him disposing of a body. Yeah, well, or not, or not. Well, at the time, at, at the, the time, beginning, we think, think he's disposing, disposing of, of a body. body, but he rolls the. Uh, he, he rolls it down, turns around, and we see a light in the darkness approaching. And then we jump cut back to his apartment, and we see a big see spotlight. See a big spotlight, yeah. So immediately you're... He killed two people. He killed another person. Right. You're like, oh, he fucking killed the guy, and now he's washing his hands with bleach and lye. I mean, we could we can talk about the uh, the insane use of... Uh, of bleach and lye, and like oh how he, he washes... He must not have any skin left on his hands. Like, seriously. Uh, well, the... Uh, um, Scrubbing his floor with a toothbrush and just pure bleach. Pure bleach on the floor. Like, no wonder he can't sleep. His head's all addled. Just like completely. There's no fresh air in his apartment at all. It's just bleach. Um, This one, I, I, on one of those, uh, the forums Mm -hmm. where I was like, you know, like scratching at my chest and my wife beat her light in my dirty cigarette. (laughs) I'm like, like, let's talk about the machinist. Uh, Someone pointed out, and this person clear, if I had more time, I'd probably devolve down to where this person is, like their level of sanity. On the forum. Yeah, they yeah. they pointed out that um, the word sinister. Uh, they they're like the word sinister is mentioned several times in the film. The original Latin meaning of sinister can also translate as left. That's why like left-handed people are are, are considered right. were considered evil in the past. And then they point out that Michael Ironsides loses his left arm. <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee gets a bruise on the left side of her face. His All, big bruises on the left side of on his the left face. side of his face in the picture. His character standing on the left. All of the bleach and lie is always to the left of the sink where he gets it from. And when he tries to get cleaning supplies from the right, they fall off the wall and are useless. Oh, and my God. When he reaches for the, the, the hand for the soap, hand it soap. falls it, off. So he reaches instead to the left to get the bleach and lie. Every tunnel he's in, they always take the left-handed route until the end when he chooses salvation and goes to the right. Like, there's... Dozens and dozens and dozens. Fucker. <laughs> no, it's just blo- when you read it, you're like, oh my god, I have to go watch this movie again. Right. But is that like is that a thing because we made it a thing? Ivan's, or is that a thing? Ivan's character has a mangled left hand. His True. left eye is violently blue while his right is regular brown. Like it just keeps going. You when you read it, go go read. Damn it, it. go read the point. I know. I thought when I first read the first three, I'm like, you're reaching, and then you and what see is a it? list. So for our listeners, what what be what is this 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 uh, forum you got on? I don't you even know. I don't even know. I just, just went, Google machinist just look up, forum. Yeah, look up. I think it was a Reddit thread on. Okay. So if you just look that up like sense. like the machinist, uh, it was like the machinist analysis, and All it's right, the cool. first. It's one of the Reddit. You know how they'll give you the top Reddit, and yep. then there's a bunch of related ones underneath. I think it was one of the related All ones. Right. But just go on Reddit. Cool. It's little rabbit hole to get into yeah 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 awesome so for the first three you're like come on you're reaching and then you see that there's like 40 things that have to do with right and left and you're like oh my god i think they did they this might, on purpose yeah. <laughs> i think that they did this on purpose no no it's too much it's, <laughs> it's too, too much. much absolutely loved it um the the score mm-hmm yeah the, oh. It is the way the movie's shot. It looks kind of like a Fincher film. It looks kind of like um, like um, it's it's just so like high contrast and mm-hmm. saturated, but with like a really cool color palette. So much dark and light imagery, mm-hmm. um, but or, you know, or use of darkness and light. Right, but you never feel like yeah. You know, you watch some movies that are you watch some movies that are like dark and they're meant to be dark and dingy. Right, but they sometimes can be hard to look at. Like you can't distinguish. Certain yeah, things. there's scenes in Fight Club that are so dark that you can't, you can't. even tell what's but happening. But this is like, there's so much clarity. Yeah, it's everything is so sharp and yeah. vivid, which is weird because it's all like surrealist dream state. Mm-hmm. But there's you're either no in blur. his dark apartment, you're in this dingy machine shop, or mm-hmm. you're the, you're in dark environments. Unless you're at the airport coffee shop or. Um, at the carnival or right. the the seaside right. fair or whatever. That's at. one of the few times that they're like out in daylight. In and daylight, are fine. One of the things that I loved from a, a, a nuts and bolts cinematography mm-hmm. point of view is very seldom do we have a shallow depth of field. Almost always they're having they're letting everything be in focus. Yep. So the whole world that you're seeing is sharp and crisp. Sometimes there's like a little bit of softening in the sure. in the background, um, but for the most part everything is so 
crystal clear and so sharp. And I really thought that that was an interesting choice, especially with where the obvious choice is like, how much of this is a dream? You make it blurry right. or you use trick for... T- you um, You do that fishbowl. Yeah, the fishbowl, like uh, in the Mouth, in the mouth of madness. madness. You use wide angles. None of that. There's very, very little or no distortion. There's very little like shallow depth of field work. And You're the, seeing everything in the frame. And they also go in, like um, the scenes I loved loved the overhead macro shots of the um post-it notes oh with him writing them yeah, and like, yeah. The, the the hang when he's playing like with the hangman game and his hands the small detail work the makeup work on his hands where he has a cut on his finger and he's wearing a band-aid but the band's a little old, a little dirty. too old yeah like just tiny minute attention to detail pulled this movie elevated this movie yeah. so far and and that the fact that they did you know when you shoot Shit, I just had a thought. What? The only time you don't see him clearly is in the very beginning of the movie. He's being shot through a rainy window, and you right. can't really see him. And mm-hmm. you, you can tell he's rolling a body up or maybe something into a uh, rug. Yeah. And then that's the only time that he's... Because the very beginning, the first time you see him is through a Yeah, and he's out window. of focus. He's out of focus. He's, they're focusing on the window, and we don't see him. Right. Interesting. Okay. I just think yeah, this might be a thing, might not be. Who knows? I think in this movie, everything, so everything is, is a thing. thing. <laughs> It's not. Jeez. It's not possible to not be a thing. There's. There's little. There's minute details, and this is the sort of stuff that I love. Like this podcast, yes. right? What we're doing right now. People who've seen this movie, who go back and watch it again after listening to this, are gonna like. Oh my god! That the time. are gonna explode. Yep. Ivan. The first time he meets Ivan. This is. This is an editing trick, which I thought was fucking genius. They're both sitting there smoking, right? Him in his car. And he, him in his, right. In his truck, but right? that's that's not the one. When they go to shake hands, uh, 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 Resnick goes to put his cigarette in his mouth, and they match cut to Ivan's face as he is in the ex- It's exact. I went back and watched. They exact match cut the position of the cigarette. So he's bringing it up. And when we cut to Ivan, it's in the same, same place. spot with the same mm. hand position, and he finishes it out, and then they shake hands. So we find out later that there is no difference between Resnick and Ivan. Ivan is a construct of his life. It's his guilt. Deprived mind. Is what, yeah. Right. But that moment right there, there's stuff like that. If we ever do Fight Club, we have to, we'll have to do it this way because Fight oh, you Club's, have to, yeah. Fight Club's been talked to death, but there's stuff in Fight Club like that match cuts, like um, we can talk. There's two big ones that I love pointing out to people. One, when Brad Pitt is confronting the guy uh, who owns the bar. Yes. When that scene where he's like, "You don't know where I've been, Lou." The first time Lou punches him in the stomach, Ed Norton drops his head in the background, like. Half, like he's half been, doubles over because he got punched. he got punched because he is Brad Pitt's character. And the scene when Brad Pitt is you know in the passenger seat and Ed Norton's driving and he's like you gotta let go let go and Ed Norton uh, or no no um, Brad Pitt's driving and right. Ed Norton is in the passenger seat and he's trying to get him to drive and Brad Pitt lets go of the wheel and the car rolls over. Ed Norton gets out of the driver's side after the oh the yeah crash. I did remember that one yep. Yeah, Ed, there's there's stuff like that all through the movie, and in this movie too, like the match cut to the cigarette. The there's little it's hints giving you enough hint. There's hints, which there's which is a touches. sign of of, the, of of a of a mystery like this being done well. Where you, it's like an Agatha Christie book. They're perfect because you are given enough information in the book, enough hints to be able to figure it out on right. your own. But no one ever does until you. So you see the thing, the, oh, the butler it's did it. So that makes so much sense. Why? Because we were given all these little breadcrumbs along the way, and this movie does that perfectly. The way that I see it is it's like a clock. It's like a intricately, beautifully constructed clock missing one cog. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the movie, and you could see like how the clock might work, yep. but you can't quite get it. And then the filmmakers give you that last cog and everything starts to run. Because nothing frustrates me more than figuring out the movie in like the first 10, 15 right. minutes. I'm like, half, oh. Or halfway well, through. Oh, like so the like the Prestige was a movie that surprised. Like, I didn't see that coming. Should no. have. They show you a whole bunch of a hats. It's weird twist. Like, right? uh, we haven't quite gotten there yet, but we will talk in the future. Yeah, right. we, we recorded these all out of order. But in the future, the jacket was like right, that. Because right, yeah. you're like, I got this figured out. And then you're like, what the oh, fuck? No, I but don't. no spoilers. Because right. <laughs> they're going to get to that. But yeah, it's a, they, so so great to, to be able to sit 
in a, through a movie and not until the writer or director wants you to know what the sting is. Right. Well, you say Agatha Christie, and we mentioned it before, but the true master, the original master of this is Hitchcock. Oh, God, yes. This is uh, one critic. If you go on, uh, you can read critical reviews on uh, Wikipedia for mm-hmm. this. It'll be like, you know, critical response. Someone, it might be the highest praise I've ever heard for a film as weird as this, said that uh, this would have been the last film that Hitchcock would have made. Right. Like, if had Hitchcock just continued. This I couldn't would, agree more. Like it's, it's perfect. This The Machinist is one of the most perfect mind fuck movies ever yep it makes me sad that we live in a world where this type of movie has so much trouble getting made right you know what i mean yeah because it it requires you to one um accept that your audience is smart enough to understand took the words right out of my mind man it's it's trusting your audience like so many times you feel like movies and it's not about balancing the ledger sheet right it's not about well it costs 1.5 we need to make seven Uh, overseas we need to do this right right? yeah it's more about is this a good story and let's make it as best as we can and not pander to the audience let's uh, let's accept the fact that they're intelligent enough to right to to get it right or like, if not watch the fucking movie again right there are like, there are films if you make any movie well enough if you have if your audience has questions they'll watch it again yeah and uh there's uh oh fucking mind fart um there, there's there's months we have coming up on this show where i specifically um the, in june our birthday month we get to, the way we're doing it is on our birthday month we get to pick all four films yeah, yeah. and i specifically picked two directors and took uh, one of their more their more accessible works and one of their very experimental works to show like what what is what is what's, what's possible right. when you let a director when you let the creative process be what you can end up with. So I picked David Lynch and Jim Jarmusch. So we with David Lynch, you look at Blue Velvet, like that's a weird movie. It's kind of like riding the Twin Peaks wave. Yep. And then I also picked Eraserhead. Fucking anybody who's seen Eraserhead will be like, yeah, this could not have possibly been anything nope. but a super crazy independent film. Because Hollywood would have been like, you want to do what now? And that's why Terry Gilliam is one of my directors on my birthday month. We're going to be watching Brazil. Right. <laughs> and there are two cuts of that. There's the Hollywood cut, uh-huh. which is, it's, the, both are weird, but the Hollywood cut's like a, an hour 20. They has tried like to the happy ending a and like make it not as confusing. Then you have Gilliam's cut, which is like two hours, not the happy ending. So, and it's... Well, I'll, I'll watch whatever version you want to watch. We have to I'm watch, hoping. kind of have to watch both of them. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, so we can talk about it. We can it. talk about Because now I didn't Brutal. think that we were going to do that until we were having this conversation about The right. Machinist. I'm like, that would make sense. That would actually be a really good sort of to show what happens with Hollywood. Because it is the same movie, mm-hmm. right? We're not talking, it wouldn't be like, well, this is their independent film that they were able to do on a shoestring, and then this is their big budget movie. It's what happens. This is with the same project, and right. it's two completely different movies. It's what the director wanted to do, and then what Hollywood made him do. That, yeah. I, my big, my huge complaint to Bird all the time, because uh, my poor, long-suffering wife has, <laughs> to, has to sit as I watch like experimental art movies, house film, right. one after another, hand over fist. Damn. Danielle's like, can we watch Moana, please? Like, yes, we- <laughs> absolutely. Um, my biggest complaint, again and again and again, is I will watch a brilliant fucking movie. I'll sit there and I'm like, this is astonishing. This is so good. Oh my god, I'm I'm so I love this. And then in the last act, something completely out of character or out of tone happens, and to to force either to a happy ending or yeah. a hopeful ending. Or there's like a character will behave way out of character and it's it, it's so obvious that I'll sit there and I'll be like, that's a producer note. Yep. What we just saw is the executive producer threatened to pull funds unless that change happened. Yep. The director is pissed that that's in this movie and it fucking wrecked it. Or they that, did the thing that uh, where they, 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 they screen it. Yeah. To to they did a test screening and people were like, like well, I didn't understand I why they hang I thought that one. I think test screenings are the worst fucking thing possible. The I just finished reading um, on writing by Stephen King, mm-hmm. and he has a thing in that book about test screenings where he says the most frustrating thing to writers about, or uh, especially like film writers about test screenings is that if you get your demographics right, they seem to work. Which means you can you can if you compromise if if you not necessarily compromise, but if you 
listen to feedback from a wide demographic of people, you can make your work more popularly. Absolutely. Acceptable. That's why they do it. <laughs> well, and, and sometimes, like, for example, I think The Wrestler is a good example of someone telling the director no where it makes the movie more mm-hmm. powerful. In the original, uh, go and check out Patreon to the Our Wrestler episode. But in The Wrestler, he wanted to end with him he lands the 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 ram jam and uh gets the pin and that's the end of the movie it would have been super uplifting but i we we someone said darren we gotta cut it when he jumps we gotta leave him wondering now that's that's probably more exception than rule i feel like a lot of times Mm -hmm. they're like that's more of a collaborative sort of decision i would think right like there's a famous producer note from the uh back to the future where uh, a produ- uh, some producer wrote a big long a big long uh, diatribe about this this movie's never gonna sell it's gonna bomb so what we need to do is we need to push it as a B movie and I have a great title and you need to retitle it this way I'm gonna pull my funding and he says that we should title it it was like the kid from outer space right and that was gonna be the title and he thought this was a genius fucking idea and everyone there had to be a point where you're like do we need your money badly enough right. to let you destroy this project but and and you know sometimes t- test screenings will pick out stuff that mm-hmm. is you know because you can be too close to your work. But my God, you can pick out an executive producer note from a mile yep. away. You're like, why? Why did we do that? You had me. You had me, and then you tried you tried to sell the movie to. I'm already here yeah. watching it. Right. Like I'm going on this ride. Just take me to the ride's natural conclusion. Yep. You know, it's like getting to the top of a roller coaster, and they're like, "And now it levels out." <laughs> right? And you like, can, oh wait, we're just oh. where's the drop? You get so ready for the drop, and you're like, you're like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna crush my heart. I can tell you're gonna break me, like, and I'm gonna be. <laughs> and then it just flattens out, and they're like, "Look at the beautiful vistas." Like, now oh, we're gonna gently okay, and now we're gonna gently lower you to the ground. And wasn't that? And a we have cotton view? candy ready for you. Right, you like ratchet that. me up the fucking roller coaster for 30 minutes, and I'm like, oh god, oh god. And then they're like, and isn't it for pretty from the top? Okay, let's go back down. Real slow, right. real, real slow. slow. Oh, it's okay. I hate producer notes more than anything. This movie does not do that. No, it does not. I mean, our our, our main character uh, is a hit and run driver who killed a kid. Yep, and turns himself in just so he can get just he so can he sleep because he's he's dealt with his guilt at least in some yeah. way. He's like, I can't, I can't. Well, yeah. Well, there we'll need to take your statement later. Later, I just want to sleep. sleep. What what I found shocking about his transformation we talked about in the beginning is uh, when he realizes we see the picture of him mm-hmm. on the fishing trip, yeah. and you see Christian Bale as Christian Bale before the dramatic weight loss, right. and that is shocking because you've seen him for so long in this movie for hour plus as skinny Christian Bale, and when the, you see him healthy, that's shocking. You're like, oh my god, that's what Christian Bale actually looks like. That's what this guy is supposed to look like? Yeah. Oh my god. Um, one of the things, when, when Christian Bale, there's a scene where he's washing his hair, and he's bent at some, like, strange... There was a lot of, like... Because I, I have low back pain from a uh, weightlifting injury. There's so many scenes where he's, like, bent at the yeah. lower... Where he's, like, curled over, like a like a weary drawing of an emaciated, like, plague victim. Yeah. Oh, seeing... Being able to see every dot in his spine when he's bent oh, forward Oh, his ribs. Like you that. can almost see his heart beating in his chest. Like, Well, you can... By the end of the movie, when he gets really thin, really, really thin, you can see veins in his face. Yeah. His face is so gaunt, you can see the veins under the skin in his face. They, like, circle his eyes, and you're like, oh, my God, you are... You and when he put the weight back on, those veins are now still, if you notice in Batman, uh, you can still see him? One, I think it's his right eye. Mm. The vein is still, still the vein visible. is still like visible under his eye. Um, and that wasn't the case before. The, I read the how he, how, there's a documentary where uh, he talks, I think because I rented this from Family Video and I watched the special features way back in the day. And the, the only thing I remember from the documentary is they ask him how he lost that weight. And he goes, I just didn't eat. And Jesus. Uh, apparently, the what how he actually did it was he ate one can of tuna and one apple a day, and that was his diet. That's what I've heard. That's what I have read. That's like eighty, no, one hundred and twenty some odd calories. Yeah, That's it's like about it. it's like a hundred something calories a day. And um, the other thing I remember from the the documentary that I saw when I was young, like when I first saw the movie in my like early twenties, twenty three, twenty four, was he said they were like, was it hard? He's like, no, because when you shed that much weight that fast. Your body basically goes into like defense mode to protect you from the pain of starvation. So yes. he's like, I was constant. I felt euphoric a lot of the time. Oh my god! 
Um, so he, uh, and his body was so thin that he didn't have his, he likes his, he didn't really feel the heat of Barcelona. I remember he said that, like he wouldn't sweat as much as other, as the he other doesn't people. have any body fat. There's or... nothing left. Um, the other thing I remember was, uh, the uh, the director talking about how they had a lot of trouble shooting the scenes where he ran, where he's running, mm-hmm. because he didn't have any muscle left. Oh, he couldn't he run. He had so little muscle that he... he... It looked like it was a struggle just for him to stand and walk in this movie. Oh. It was like like the weight of his boots are... Like, he shuffles around because... He, of the... And in the beginning, when he picks up the rug, there's oh. no body in the rug, but just picking up that rug, you're like, how is he, how is he even, even doing that? Yeah, because it was empty. But oh. yeah, even the rug itself was too heavy for him. Oh, my God. I wrote down, I just noticed, I, we, I looked down at my notes just now, and it, this is probably like uh, uh, 12.50 or 1.10 uh, in the morning. I wrote down, God, this film is like a perfect, beautiful nightmare. Um, n- another little bit of minutia in the scene when he first meets Ivan in the bar. The bartender never looks at Ivan. Oh, no, ever. that's a very clear tell. That yeah. one's really obvious. Um, cinematography, really quick on, on And that no one reacts to helping um, Nicholas when he's having um, an epileptic uh, epile- seizure right. at the they're, carnival. They're mostly just he's looking at this guy out, They're looking yelling. at him, and it's it's only his mother when he when she comes to help. And rolls him on his and side. And rolls him on yeah. his side. Like, just some dude freaking out. Um, I looked at... Uh, as far as cinematography goes, if you ever there's an old movie which I highly recommend to everybody and which we should do maybe as a Patreon exclusive, but maybe as an actual film film. Um, it's called Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Yeah, you've seen it. Yep, sure have. All right, the bit when he first sees the hangman. Mm-hmm. That is one of the times where we have a super super wide angle lens. Not so far that it fishbowls, but wide enough so that we can see. And it's at an angle too. It's the it's the refrigerator POV. Yes. You can see his kitchen, his living room, and to the left, the entire hallway. You can see basically his entire apartment with the super wide-angle lens. And I'm not positive, but I think that that might be uh, a cinematography, an, an homage to the cinematography of Henry Portrait of a Killer. There's a there's a, an angle they use high in the kitchen where you can basically over the refrigerator where you can see a table where Henry sits, yeah. which is in the same spot where his table is. Now, I'm, I might be reaching, but I don't think so. There's a bit, there's a, uh, a table. Isn't that Yantu in Henry? The... Yantu? Guy that plays Yantu. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, I always think of him, uh, my brother always points out that the guy from Henry is, he play, he's in Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who he plays, but yeah, it's. it's... The brother of the greasy one. <laughs> right. The brother of the greasy one. Big Walking Dead fans here, you can tell. Huge. Love Huge. that fucking show. I can't <laughs> wait for the adventures of. Jesus Ronald. God. Rick. Rick. The, the Adventures of Rick and Adventures Coral. Of Rick and Coral. <laughs> Coral. Um, anyway, no, yeah. yeah. So that, yeah, that's who that actor is. Yeah. And I don't even give a shit about his new stuff because I've seen Henry Portrait of a Serial right. Killer, which is Amazing. one of the best performances. My God. But we're not talking about that movie. Nope. I'm talking about that shot. You can see that the apartment layout's different, but the way that it's shot, the table is in the same spot and you can see to, in two directions. You can see through the back and you can see, a, like, it's not a hallway, but it's a room to the right. left. So. I don't know. Um, do you think of the? Do you think of the bad CG when he gets hit by the car? Oh, that was the only part that was like shit, because he they flipped him for real. Like it was, like, <laughs> it was so bad. She when he got hit by a beetle. I mean, that's, he couldn't. Maybe that's what happens when you get hit by a beetle. But it's you like turn into his a cartoon. Bo- he got hit. The car's probably going 15 miles an hour, and his body spun like he got hit. It's, like 85. It's like Brad Pitt getting hit in uh, uh, Meet Joe Black. Yep. <laughs> no. He's like, what in the fuck? No, oh that was God. horrible. When he when he lands on the pavement, it looks like he like melts into the pavement yep. like hot butter a little yep. bit. And you're just like, come on. <laughs> come on. It's not their fault. They no. didn't have any money and they're shooting in Barcelona for like $50 a day, but still. Yeah, I think I audibly went, oh. <laughs> yeah, you can't. I mean, maybe you could get away with. You could probably do a thing where, you know, he like, you see that we see the beetle coming, see the beetle yeah. coming and he steps out and then we cut to the police station and he's all fucked up and we can make an inference. But maybe they're like, my God, do you see how real this looks? Computers are Computers amazing. Computers are amazing. Now we're in the future so, where you can put on a helmet and go like fly around in outer space. Yeah. Like this looks like hot garbage. <laughs> yeah. That's C- that, that CG. I was just like, it's the only spot yep. too. It's, and it's less than two seconds. So we're, but I, his, <laughs> I will give it a complete pass. But yeah, he, he's literally like yeah. an 
arms flailing and flying and then melts into the pavement yeah he hits well he hits the ground and you could tell that they didn't get it quite right so they yep. just fudged the angle yep. a little so he's all stretched out <laughs> It's like, that looks really bad. <laughs> uh, more stuff that I noticed, Carl. More weird stuff. Yes. When he's down in the subway, mm-hmm. uh, when he's running away from the cops, after oh, right. they're like, hey, uh, your license plate. By the way, the license plate. They say, like, that's your license plate. I went back uh, through the movie, and you get to the scene where he's chasing them, and his the license plate on that car um, is like, it's like a couple letters and some numbers. When you see the license plate of his truck as he's chasing them, it's those letters and numbers, but backwards. Oh shit! That's all. That's all they did. Which maybe like dream logic stuff, but part of right. me is wondering if uh, it was also like the effects department being like, um, yeah. let's just use the same shit. Same shit. It's, it's, Don't it's, have but time. it's backwards now. It's ooh. <laughs> you know? ooh. But when I, right. I saw that, I thought that was fun. But uh, when he's down in the subway. And he, he can't he gets can't to that get locked the emergency door. door. Yeah. The there's one of those like warning signs and the the character, the little character looks like the hangman. Oh shit. It's like a little hangman stick figure drawing. Damn it. Oh man, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So much so much shit in this. Uh let's see. I wrote we already talked about that and talked about that and we talked about that. And we talked about that. And that Nice. You know what? I don't think we got uh I don't think we got anything I we know what we haven't talked about and what we should talk about. Not until you tell me. We should talk about because we've we've nitpicked and nitpicked yes. and nitpicked, but we haven't talked about performance. Shit. Christian Bale. I re- I vaguely remember because this I wasn't it's aware. It's so of this. good I didn't even think about talking about it. I was fourteen when it came out. Right. The the movie is is such a totality is so seamless except for one little bit of CG right is so like seamlessly constructed and so real there's such a sense of verisimilitude in the in the actual in every frame that it doesn't feel like a performance right it feels like we're just watching like Tom Waits' dreams, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's like machine shop people and mangled hands and double bourbons, you know, but, but uh, it, there's, it's, it's so flawless a tapestry yeah. that you, it's hard to be like, well, look at these brush strokes. You're just like, look at this fucking, which is gorgeous. what I love about move like the the movies that I enjoy the most are the ones where you forget you're watching a movie and you're not like like oh that was a really interesting choice that he made there or oh they oh they could have done that angle it's just like you just sit you back and sucked, it's sucked in. in completely by everything except for like oh shit that's that's Dahmer Goo. <laughs> well once you see Jennifer Jason you're like look God Dahmer Goose <laughs> boobs wow that's and like that bad oh that that I was gonna say bad nineties wardrobe, but it's perfect for a character. Mm-hmm. That like weird uh lace up yep. like tube top clothes. clothes. Yeah, H O O E R clothes. That they definitely dressed her up that way. Yep. But um I mean it's uh uh go over to Patreon and check out season zero. When we did the episode on Frank, I couldn't take any notes. No, because to You're just in the movie yep. and at the end of the movie you're sitting stunned with Tears welling up in your eyes, and you're thanking Christ that no executive producers fucked that up. Exactly. For you. And you're like, oh my God. And this movie's almost, I mean, I, I was able to nitpick like weird symbolism and cinematography. Sure, because those breadcrumbs are there to pick up, right? So everyone, everyone is so strong. Performances across the board. Even like Michael Ironside is considered one of the biggest B. I mean, he is the B actor, right? He's, yeah. 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 He's yeah. always the, like, the bad guy. The, or, or, he's got the right face. He's for got the right. But he was, I mean, I mean, he was that, he was fine. He was. Well, when, when Christian Bale gives him shit and he, he's, he's like quivering for a second mm-hmm. like he's gonna he's like snap. oh don't worry about a kid well no 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 when they're in his his garage oh and right Christian Bale like presents him with all of this like weird conspiracy theory shit and he's like it's gonna fucking stop and he looks so hauntingly thin Michael Ironside lean, like leans in and he's he's like he looks like he's gonna fucking break and then he laughs mm-hmm. instead he's and, but it's it's a perfect forced laugh it's not like ah, ha, 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 right. it's not bad b acting it's no. it is exactly what a forced laugh would be like i'm gonna let yeah. this i'm just gonna let this ride you're being weird kid yeah and steps past him and when he touches him he he's like oh that's too he far goes full to rage mode yeah. he's great he's yeah. 
and he's not. I'm not saying he's not great elsewhere, but this has got to be his standout, right? Mm-hmm. I would think so. Uh, Starship Troopers, maybe. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's old. That's much older. Total Recall. When he loses both With both arms, arms. <laughs> in Starship Troopers, where he loses, loses an arm. <laughs> Well, he's got a type. He's typecast he's type as the guy who loses his we, arm. We got a scene. He gets, uh, he All right. Okay. So there's a. Uh, what are we gonna do about this character who uh, gets his arm ripped off? Is Michael? Is what's Mike? What's is, Michael doing right is now? He, is he freed up? No, he's in that other thing where he loses <laughs> an arm. <laughs> but like, not to. I'm not, and not to take anything away. It's like Sean Bean so dying good. in every movie. It's right. Like certain actors. Right. Have Sean Bean's in it, and you're like, well, don't don't get too attached. Don't get to him. attached to him. He's gonna die. But no, even Michael Ironside is like not again. Not like I enjoy him in like scanners and shit. Like right, he's good. He's, he's a good, good actor, but he's weirdly elevated here. Yeah. He's re- he's weirdly great mm-hmm. in this movie. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee has. I, okay, now when I say maybe the maybe the weak perform, no, right. she's not though. The the diner waitress, the diner waitress is a touch off. There's something about that performance mm-hmm. that is maybe not quite right. But you know what? It works for me because she's not. She doesn't real. exist in she's, the real world. She's a construction. Yes. So. Does that feel like a, a performance choice? I don't know, but I had no problems with nope, it. Neither did I. Jennifer Jason Lee, I was gonna say, was maybe the the weak point, but when you when I go back and look at the performance in my head, a, a prostitute who's trying to be tender with a guy she doesn't know and understand her choices make sense. Right. When she does blow up at the end, there's Get a the fuck out of my house. There's like, a lot yep. of like, there's a there's a lot of really great. Um, micro acting going on there not micro acting to the level of Daniel Day Lewis no. or, or Tom Hardy some... obviously but there is there's stuff around like the the set of her jaw and there's stuff around like uh, I noticed this in this movie I, I had noticed it when we watched the jacket in the future which is weirdly appropriate mm-hmm. for the jacket but uh because that's right because that's what happens but uh this is spoilers <laughs> but um Jennifer Jason Lee there's some weird stuff about I noticed her mouth. She has a she she has a way that she draws her mouth yes. very tight. There's lines all the way around where she seems to always be pursing her lips. And in this movie, that is used, I think, to like to great effect. We still haven't talked about Christian Bale's performance at all. We talked about everyone else's when that was the one we were supposed to talk about. I think that speaks to his performance though. Yeah. I, really I, I think you're right. I think you're right. There's there's it's not showy in the way that you can like point to Daniel Day Lewis and say, "There's this tiny thing that he does under his left eye." In this yeah, I mean, he must have not. Sl- I mean, he, he makes me tired in this movie because yeah. oh my there's god, a, there's a there's a genuine sense of exhaustion. Now, when okay, like for example, when Nicole Kidman pretends to be stoned. <laughs> That is a terrible representation of what a stoned person is. But when Christian Bale acts, I'm sure he's tired because he's got no calories in his body. But when Christian Bale acts as an utterly, irrevocably exhausted. The way his eyes roll in their sockets and like. The way when he's that first time we see him with a cup of coffee and his eyes drift Mm -hmm. shut. Is perfect. Now, I, I did. I thought of two micro things I can talk about, like uh, like uh, nitpicky yes, yeah, yeah. acting things that are pristine. In this movie, Christian Bale becomes the master of noticing something and slowly letting his face react to what he's seeing. Several times in this movie, he'll be like happy and talking, mm-hmm. and his eyes will shift over and he'll see something. And rather than go like, oh, and like su- let his face go sudden, you can literally see his brain comprehending it, or his brain is like so taken with what he's seen that he doesn't change his face immediately. His face sort of like resets to default yeah. as he looks at like it. Like when he sees Ivan in the pit. When he sees Ivan and well, when he sees Ivan in the pit, that's more it's like more of like a, uh, like a more like what I'm thinking of is when he's um, when he's in uh, 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 Jennifer Jason Lee's apartment. Oh, he sees the picture. He sees of, the picture of Ivan. He's like smiling and he's like, oh, I I can't fit into these clothes, you know. And he's got he's just hang, clothes are hanging on him, and he looks at her and he looks at the pictures, and he's he's smiling and his face just slowly goes to reset but his eyes are always sharp you can see what he's thinking and his his face goes so slowly to match even the way that his expressions change is exhausted 
His expression. Like nothing is happening right away because there's the He's disconnect so between brain and body, right? Like, like there's nothing snappy and quick about it. Like even his emotional states are sluggish. Yeah. And he, oh, it's beautiful. It's a, it's it's horrifying and 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 a bit a bit stomach churning. And yeah. it even in in with all of the the weird dream state stuff like the there's the record player at Maria's place that where the like the music is kind of warbly and it's a it's a twist on the theme on the music theme music yes the, and then there's the weird doll on the floor like you know? the clown the doll clown, the weird like tin clown doll. Yeah. like there's a very strange sense that we are like of of dream logic to the movie where there's like weird stuff that keeps you off kilter and his physicality his physical appearance is part of that he's like a nightmarish figure in a dream, which is what he, he is. But, he is, yeah. But uh, there's, there's, I, I hesitate to use the term beautiful, but it truly is a a beautiful and seamless performance. There's mm-hmm. no point where I can go like, yeah, well, Christian Bale was a little. It's there's nothing, no. start to finish. That is, it's it's it is of it's it's a it's broad. It's one broadcloth piece of beautiful performance. Yeah, I would completely I absolutely completely agree. Um, do you have? anything else i'm gonna buy the soundtrack to this movie i'm buying I'll say that right now I'm, uh, I, I own this on dvd uh-huh I'm buying it on blu-ray because it deserves to be seen in full this HD. is worth yeah this is worth a blu-ray i say of, of all of the movies that we've discussed so far there are, there are several that i would recommend that need to be in in any film appreciator's library it, there will be blood well the season zero stuff. season zero stuff uh, let's do it really quick just just for because not everyone's going to go to patreon mm-hmm. really quick what would be your recommendations from season zero for people to watch? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there will be blood and Frank and Frank. Yeah. I would add to that Bronson just because I think it's a great example of a great director's work, Nicholas Winding Refn, and not all of his stuff is as accessible. Like everyone knows drive, but not everyone's seen drive. And Fair honestly, enough. I prefer Bronson to drive. Okay. Absolutely do. So if I, I would say, I would say Bronson, there will be blood and Frank, would be my three. Also, Bronson's such an amazing performance by Tom Yeah, that's Hardy. just amazing. So those would be the three that okay, I'd recommend. Cool. And of those three, I you know, There Will Be Blood is an amazing movie, but I put Frank above Frank it. is... Frank was If we had to pick the winner from amazing. season zero, Frank See, stands Frank out completely. Yeah. I, I, amazing. I'm, gl- I'm almost kind of glad we cast those aside because when you go... I don't think anything on this list would have much of a chance. I'm sure there's like there's movies up ahead that are going to be amazing, but like Frank is such a clear standout. Yeah, that was fucking killer, and it's still on Netflix too. So if you if you want to go and check out a movie that we talked about, and you can listen to our conversation on Patreon.com. Exactly. Um, but this movie Michael Fassbender definitely needs to be uh, on anyone's shelf that is an appreciator film. The Machinist. The Machinist. Yeah, yeah. In HD. This one is definitely definitely worth the Blu-ray. Um. Yeah, so uh, we're gonna do we're gonna talk about the jacket next month, next week, next week. No, or no, actually, actually, we're, we're just releasing about it all four <laughs> next right. time. Next episode, we'll be talking about the jacket. Uh, we'll get we'll get used to the format. It's fine. The yeah, four the big four shots. I figure like the whole first year is just gonna be us figuring out. Anyway. You think? I think like the first two, two episodes yeah, it's fine. will be, or not. I mean, the first two, two months. months. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah. we're having trouble. <laughs> <laughs> we also recorded this early. <laughs> we did Today, earlier yeah. than we usually do. Um. All right. Do you have anything else for the machinist? I don't. No. Just watch this fucking movie. So seriously. so good. Well, obviously, if you're listening to this point in the please have podcast, seen this movie. Please have seen it. <laughs> but uh, if you if you haven't seen it in a while, go watch it again mm-hmm. with what we've said here today in mind, and I think you will be surprised. At yeah. I was. I was. I remembered this is a good movie, and watching it again, I realized how truly great it is. Yep. Couldn't agree more. All right. Um, so uh, take ne- us out, Max. Next episode is going to be the jacket, and uh, since we don't announce it in that episode, we'll announce it here. Um, coming up in April, we're going to be shifting themes. I don't, oh, yeah. I don't have a clever name for it yet, but I will by the time we do the first episode. But it's, it's all going to be westerns. westerns yes. Um, we have some classic films. We have some ones you might not have seen, and some, uh, some brutal stuff, some happy stuff. It's going to be great. So. Watch The Machinist. We're done with March Madness. Thank fucking God. Yes. I'm glad we're doing Westerns next. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like a little, a little palette cleanser. Right? <laughs> Seriously. Jesus. Um, all right. So, oh God, I even though I knew it was coming and yeah. I could have thought about this in advance, I've got... Take us oh, out, you know what? All right, all right. On the way you got out. It? I'm not, I, don't, I don't have it yet, but we'll see how, <laughs> we'll see how it comes out. So... Um, there's uh there's some cigarette burns and twists and turns so we'll see you next time